Canuck Central finale. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We're in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. The offseason is now fully here as uh, Canucks Development Camp wraps up. The kids did the grind today, and it must have been a grind in this heat. I will say. Yeah, man. Like doing the grind on even a nice cool day can be challenging enough <laughs> when it's like a blistering 26, 20. Well, I mean, I guess it was probably like yeah. 23, 24 when they went up, but still, yeah. it's not easy. How much do you think Daniel Sedin was like lapping everybody? He probably did, did it twice by the time <laughs> the first guy finished. It's like Michael Schumacher in his prime. You know, like, what, what are you guys doing? This is my third time already. You're still not done? You guys are never going to make it. You're still here? It's like Ferris Bueller at the end. <laughs> It's over. Um, so, yeah, DevCamp was uh, interesting. We'll get into some of those things, uh, some of our takeaways from the scrimmage we both uh, saw at UBC. And uh, shouts to those that came over and said hi as well. Always yeah. uh, like seeing uh, listeners and uh, interacting with those of you that are such uh, great supporters of the show. We do appreciate all of you so very much. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. But the offseason, Sat. The Canucks made their moves at free agency. We know that they'd still like to be in on some things, but very much so up against the salary cap. Is there anything that could happen here in the next little while that, uh, you know, now that we are into our finale show of the season, what's going to bring us back for an emergency podcast in the next couple of weeks, if anything? Uh, A trade. Ooh. Yeah, when a trade gets announced, we will have an emergency pod. Now, um, I'd love to be a part of the emergency pod. Yes. And hopefully I will be yes. part of the emergency pod, but you never know when it comes but to... But Sat might be somewhere just totally <laughs> incognito. At some point, that, that might happen. the groundwork already. I am. I, I'm uh, giving the warning. I am available that day. <laughs> we don't even know what day it is yet. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, because I, I have a few things planned, and I know... During that time, there will be inst- there will be a time where yes. I'm not going to be by my phone, which is totally fair. So it's um, you know I just hope it doesn't happen. Well, then. you know if an emergency podcast doesn't happen immediately after a trade is consummated, I don't yeah. know if it's uh, the biggest thing in the world. But we'll do our best. No, uh, we'll, we'll to do get together for something. Like hey, between you, yeah. myself, you know, even Josh mm-hmm. and you know, Bick is always on Canuck Central on the post game show. So I mean, yep. we'll, we'll get something on the feed. We promise yeah. you that. We'll see exactly who's going to be uh, involved in it. But yes, I do think Dan, uh, a trade is possible. And that's going to be the biggest thing that happens that brings us together, I'd say. So when it comes to a trade, like I I hear trade and I immediately think the players we've talked about ad nauseum, Connor Garland, Mm -hmm. maybe Tyler Myers, although, you know, we all know the situation there with Myers, easier to do in-season closer to the deadline than it is right now and certainly once his bonus is paid it'll make it that much easier to move him as well but those are the two that immediately come to mind are these like the sense is cap opening trades yeah and I think maybe that's a challenge but I I do believe Vancouver still wants to add we've been saying this like nothing they've done so far Mm mm-hmm gets in the way of them doing more. Yeah. 
if you have to start the season with Teddy Bluger as your third line center, you can do that. You can move forward and you can you can wait for your moment and perhaps find somebody else. But if something else comes along now where you can add to your forward depth, bring somebody else in who could play center, who could be an option, who maybe has a bit more pop to his game that if something happens, could can move up your lineup. I think those are things Vancouver's looking at still. And if they can clear a little bit of money, can they go and grab somebody who's still available, making $2 million or yeah. so, or less, something along those lines? So I don't think we're talking about clearing 4 to $5 million, as much as Vancouver would like. So is there a trade out there for them where they can move somebody, get a forward back who might be a little rugged, mm-hmm. and then maybe get enough cap space to go and add that other player they're looking for? I think if they have their way, Dan, and this is where a trade has to happen, especially when you look at their contract slots and everything too, can you make a trade and acquire a player that can give you a little bit more center depth? And can you also acquire a player that gives you a little bit more brawn and a little bit more toughness and physicality in your bottom six potentially? So a, uh, I mean, Ryan Reeves is locked up yeah. uh, until his retirement. So <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Probably not, not a, but a Ryan Reeves type is, is what you're hinting at. Yeah. Or that, or even, even a forward that, you know, has an element to his game, yeah. you know, that he's a bit rugged and I can't give you a specific name or anything and right. we'll see if Vancouver can actually do it or not. But I think those are the things you're looking at because as much as they've made the three additions, Dan, mm-hmm. and this is something we discussed as soon as the additions were made, the forward group still doesn't look like a Rick talking forward group quite yeah. yet. You know, they're getting closer, but they're not quite there yet. And maybe it's something that takes a bit more time to get there. But the reality is they're going to have to make a swap hockey trade-wise. We use the term hockey trade. By, but by that, we mean when you're moving money out, you're bringing money in. But can you get money in that's a little bit less than you send out? Yeah. That allows you to do something else as well. So center depth. It's, it's sort of kind of going through some of the still needs on this team. Ultimately, like the biggest needs long-term are still wanting to find another top line forward Mm -hmm. uh, to add to their group and probably another top four defenseman that they can foresee playing for the next number of years in that top four, rather than some of the small stopgap solutions they've added this year. Center depth, though. Right now, you know, they've got Elias Patterson, they've got JT Miller, they signed Teddy Bluger, and Nils Oman coming off a pretty strong rookie season mm-hmm. last year for, well, relative to his expectations going into it. What's missing from the center group that they are looking to add to? You look at somebody that has a little bit more skill. Right. Some more, um, somebody that can... Somebody with some more offensive pop. Yes, a little bit more offensive, like a bit more skill and natural offensive talent compared to uh, what they have in Niels Olman and Teddy Bluger. But not somebody who's necessarily this natural center who's a, this two-way ace, but somebody who can be an option. It was interesting when we heard from Alvin and we asked them, hey, are you looking to perhaps, you know, are you, how much is versatility important to you? And he said, well, versatility in the bottom six is mm-hmm. important for, to us. So far, they haven't really added a lot of versatility to the bottom six. And, and I will say, Bluger can play wing, but he's yeah. very much a center, right? But they still haven't added that versatile forward I think they're looking for. Somebody that can play center if need be and has a bit more natural talent. So if something happens in your top six, this guy can step in and at least be a bit more productive. Can you get a step up on a Sheldon Dries, essentially? Right. You know, that that's, a, I think, what, what, what you're looking at here. And, you know, I... I, I still wonder if they're looking for somebody that could also still help on the PK. And that's where uh, I think, you know, the, the versatility you yes. mentioned is still something that is 
of value because yeah, they they add Teddy Bluger to the forward group that can PK. They'll get Ilya Mikheyev back. They'll see if Dakota Joshua and Nils Oman take steps in that area mm-hmm. as well. So there's four forwards on top of Elias Pettersson and JT Miller who will still play some level of a role on the PK, but you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have more options because beyond those guys that we mentioned, you know, who else are you really penciling in for PK time? Like not Andre Kuzmenko, not Connor Garland, not Brock Besser. So I would imagine they'd still like some players or a player if they do add one to have some penalty kill chops again still because they could still use more of that. And if you look at the free agent market, if you look at guys in free agency, there aren't a ton of those types of players available, but there are a couple. Right. Yep. I mean, there is the older guy, you know, Eric Stahl mm-hmm. available, which I'm not sure that's where Vancouver is ultimately going to go. Right. Um, 38 years old now. There's even a Derek Broussard, you know, a guy that can score a little bit more. He can offer some vers- versatility position wise. There's a bit of an older guy in Paul Stasny, of mm-hmm. course, too. Right. Even Jesper Boquist, who's on the lower end, but has that versatility. Thomas Noshek, not. Not as much uh, offense in Noshek's Yeah, game. I think he's more the Bluger type. Yeah. And, I'm, and I would have, hey, like, I like Nosek. I would have been completely fine going after him instead of Bluger or either one of those guys. But, you know, I don't think you can add him. I mean, you could if, you're, if you think Oman's not going to be able to handle it or if you think Oman's going to be better at wing. Then yeah. you could stack your fourth-line centers in that way. But I think what you're looking for is somebody that has a bit more offensive versatility. And of those guys remaining, it's, it's Pius. What is it? Pius Suter? Pius Suter? How I think do, how it's do we Pius. Say it? Pius? Okay. Pius Suter. Yeah. And I think if you look at his age profile, too, 27, mm-hmm. you know, probably stacks up a bit better in terms of what Vancouver's looking for compared to Derek Broussard or Paul Stasny, even. Kind of a sneaky player that's still out there and available. Was getting paid uh, three and a quarter yeah. this past year, was with the Detroit Red Wings, had a bunch of minutes on the penalty kill. Um, I think he played more center in 21 22 than he did this past year, but uh, 14 goals. Uh, to his name last season and a guy that has shown a little bit of of offensive pop it's you know, kind of a surprise that he uh, does not yet have a team but um, maybe that plays to some suitors favor uh, some uh, uh, plays to whoever goes after Pew Suter in their favor that he's still out there and available if the Canucks would want to be in on that and I wonder if his because you mentioned his price tag um, the last couple of years was 3.25 million yeah I don't know if his production was good enough to warrant that same price tag this mm-hmm. this time around. And does he come in a bit cheaper? Yeah. Right? And I think that's kind of where a guy like him, same with Broussard and, and Stasny, but you're probably looking at getting a guy like him a little bit cheaper than what he got paid. I mean, and can you get a player that can kind of be your, your version of Evan Rodriguez yeah. again instead of paying $3 million a year for an Everton Rodriguez type? More offense, uh, and not not like a ton of offensive upside, but uh, in comparison to some of the other names that are still out there in free agency, I would say Pew Suter has more offensive upside. Like even some of the younger options like a Colin White, who was in Florida yeah. this past year. Even and, him. Yeah. You know, he got bought out of his big contract. You know, the, the long-term bet that Ottawa tried to make with him, and it didn't really work out. But, uh, you know, he had eight goals and seven assists last year and was a player I always kind of liked, right shot too, but, um, you know, hasn't really found his game after some tough injuries that caused him to get bought out in Ottawa. Other than that, you know, we're talking about, like, Chris Tierney, Derek Stepan. Yeah, like, unless, it's, uh, like, really bottom six veteran types. Yeah, and Chris Tierney's game has really, you know, taken a dip. And I know he's yeah. gone through some injury issues, but he's a guy that at one point was a credible 
you know, second line option. A few years ago in Ottawa, you know? I really liked him. And even in San Jose, I liked him a lot in San Jose before. And then he had, you yeah. know, had a good year in Ottawa as well. But, but I think that's a type of player where I can, you know, that player profile, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who's skilled, but not going to be your everyday centerman really, but can give you versatility and some options. Because I mean, that's one of the things you still need more than anything else. And Well, if, if you're Patterson not sh- or Miller gets hurt, who's playing in the top six? Well, it's Ratu center. or yeah. Dries at this point, right? Yeah. Or, and Ratu's not ready. And you're probably looking at even, you know, Niels Olman probably not ready for that either. Yeah. So do you want to have a little bit more cover? Um, and ultimately, if you look at, even we mentioned with Bluger, like he wasn't your, he's not your long-term solution for that yeah. position. You still want to, you want to aspire to either him being better than what he's shown or finding something better down the road, but he's, he's an ideal stopgap to get him free agency. Cause now let's say you sign one of these guys even yeah, and they come in and they, and they just like crush it playing center. Well, now you can move Bluger to your fourth line. You can move yeah. Oman to the wing and you're not missing a beat and you're still, you know, fortifying your defensive play and you're still helping your PK. Doesn't hurt to have uh, more guys that can play through the middle of the ice, right? And uh, I think that's something the Canucks could definitely use on their roster. So those are some things that are developing for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, I don't, I don't think this is going to be a period in the in the NHL sat where things go <laughs> completely dark. Mm-hmm. I'd say, as you know, a lot of guys head off to their uh, cottages or their cabin in in uh, the the Okanagan region, whatever it might be. But there's still so many big name players currently available, and I wonder what that 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 does for the trade market now that the dust is settled sort of on free agency. There's usually a secondary trade market that starts to take place over the next couple of weeks. Some of those could be cap dumps, but there's not a ton of teams looking to take on uh, your cap problems for nothing really. So that's going to be a bit of an issue. And I think one of the things that's, as we've talked about this holding up this trade market is just, there's not a ton of cap space to go around the league. You know, there's mm-hmm. uh, the Anaheim Ducks are six million dollars under the salary cap right now. They they still have some things to do, like uh, I think uh, Trevor Zegers needs a new yeah. contract. So so they've they've got some business that they still need to get done. But what's funny about Anaheim they they have eighteen percent of the total cap space yeah. available in the National Hockey. Like one team has eighteen yeah. percent of the entire available money in the system. Right, it's it's ridiculous, and, and you know that's why a guy like Philip Zadina nobody touches. Yes, you know, and 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 the other side of it too. And here's the other part of it: as much as we talk about the cap, it's also it's still for a multi-billion-dollar sport. It's still mm-hmm. a relatively cash poor league. Yes, where four or five million in cash matters in a big deal. It matters. There are a couple of teams that doesn't matter too, mm-hmm. but that's it. It's like what Toronto and New York. Everyone else kind of cares still about yeah. you know the dollars to some extent. Because look at the buyouts, too. I mean, a lot of it, you kind of look at the money, and you, you see, you know, it's not like, you know. Yeah. It, it's a league where owners don't like cut, cutting checks for guys mm-hmm. to go over the salary cap numbers to begin with. Yeah. So it's it's like a double whammy. And I'm not even sure if the cap increases, it's going to create this appetite for teams to swallow up money. I think there's going to be a desire to get to a new CBA and kind of mm-hmm. see what happens there. And I think what we're seeing here in terms of the the difference between the star player and like the middle low end player and the middle class disappearing is going to get wider and wider. 
And I think, you know, teams are going to throw all their money at the top guys yeah. and then pinch every single penny they can on the rest of their roster. And especially when it comes to cash, because a lot of guys, the good players want signing bonuses. Yes. Those are harder to pay. Yeah. So, Someone's gonna have to, somebody pays a price when an owner has to fork over 30, 40 million in signing bonus money in one year. Uh, you know, the uh, Austin Matthews contract is gonna be one that tells us a lot about where the league is going, and he may get. Well, I mean, we see it already with Tavares' contract. Almost all of Tavares' contract was paid out in signing bonus, and that's, you know, a luxury the Leafs have that uh, not every team does. Mm-hmm. You know, the New York Islanders do not as part of their policy, pay anybody signing bonus. So it's, uh, it's different around the league, wherever they go and wherever you go and what are you, whatever you're looking at. But signing bonus for a lot of players is going to be something that matters a ton, especially for players in Canadian markets. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think all these factors come in, but kind of coming back to the point of, you know, what Vancouver's looking to do here and how things may unfold. And this is where, like, you know, we kind of joke, we're not sure when this is going to happen. A lot of it is a holding pattern because of other things that are holding things up around the league. Yeah. There are a lot of big name players that when you ask around, because, like, they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to get traded. I'm skeptical, too, because I look around, I'm like, who's trading for these guys? Like, nobody has cap space, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and I bet you, let's say of the 10 guys that are trying to get traded, half at least head into the season mm-hmm. with their situations unresolved still. But there will be some movement that happens. And I think that's kind of where Vancouver's waiting for. They're in and around a lot of stuff. So when things happen, can they then do some secondary things and the space open up somewhere where they can make the type of swap they're looking for? But I think that's where it's at. And if they have their way, there might still be some fireworks before we get to September. It's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Lots of uh, reaction coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Derek Broussard would be a great option. Colin White. Not very good. And Leroy Pugh Suter for the win. So we'll see if the Canucks are able to get some extra work done here over the next couple of weeks, maybe in the free agent market, uh, but they probably have yeah. to open up some space first. They do. And somebody mentioned a guy like Oscar Sunquist, who kind of fits that, but also he's somewhat similar to Bluger to begin with. Like yeah. the, the offensive upside is somewhat limited. Now, they may have a projection on a player like that, although at, at age 30, I kind of doubt that... Mm-hmm. He's all of a sudden going to, you know, find more offense, you know, so, but that's the kind of grouping you're looking at in free agency. And the other thing to keep in mind, they're open to hockey trades. Yeah. Hockey trades, you know, the big time hockey trade money in money out. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they get any of those things done that could bring us back for an emergency podcast. Sat, I, I want, <sighs> okay. What's up? I was uh, more frustrated today going through Twitter and threads than maybe I should have been. What happened with threads? Oh, yeah, threads. Yes. Threads. Are you on threads yet? Yes, I am on oh, threads. Okay. I, am. I haven't posted yet on threads. I'm on Blue Sky and on threads. What's Blue, Blue Sky? Sky? You haven't heard of Blue Sky? Blue oh. Sky Social? All right. No. It's, it's, it's kind of the new thing, but Ooh. it's hard to get into. Oh. I finally got into it. Oh. Somebody give me an invite code. I oh. haven't got invite codes yet. When I get them, I'll hand them out. But oh. regardless, it's a bit... Anyways. I know. I'll, you I'll gotta be invited. I know it's kind of weird. I try to it's sign like the up early for it. stages of Facebook. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like very exclusive. Beta, so. It's still in beta. beta. Yeah, they're oh, waiting for the alpha right. version. Wow. Yes. yes. <laughs> I got threads, and I showed Batch how to get threads himself as well. Very good. Find the red ticket on uh, on Instagram. <laughs> Find the red ticket. Yeah, but thre- threads looks cool. I, I will say yeah. threads looks cool. But what, what was it that that really bothered you on threads as well? If I ever make a incredibly declarative statement. Right. After watching a dev camp scrimmage, feel free to slap me. Slap you? Yes. Like Will Smith slap yeah, you? Just be like, <laughs> just <laughs> like, straight up, Straight man. up, all right. 
I'm, I could not believe the amount of people posting the Zach Benson video today and being like, man, everybody's <laughs> going to regret that this guy fell to 13th overall. And it's, it's not because I don't like Zach Benson as a player. It's not because I think he's going to be a bust. It's just like, don't use a dev camp scrimmage that's three on three to be the thing that makes your argument. That's that's my point. Yeah, it's it's dev camp three on three. It's, exactly. I know, I know. It's it, it's like it's don't kinda... let that be the reason you're like Benson's going to be better than Willander for sure. Like, no, stop. What are you doing? It's okay to not have the answer right now. I know. Like I get it. People are are, are trigger happy, right? And and it's they want to they want to bank on their guys. And Benson just, fell it, in the draft. It's simply bias, right? Like yeah. you wanted the Canucks to draft Benson at eleven, <laughs> they didn't. They took Willander. So now you're looking for any little bit of bait that maybe proves you correct. There's nothing that's going to prove you correct in the next. For sure, twelve months. Yeah, so. definitely not. Nothing. It's gonna take a couple of years. Everyone it's gonna to take a couple of years. Yeah, I know. It's probably like don't use your capital on a development camp three on three. <laughs> like it's a cool clip. It's fun. It's great. Like he shows some good things, but it's a dev camp three on three scrimmage. Well, like so. la- like last night we were at dev camp. Yeah, and like I had a couple of thoughts, mm-hmm. and I decided not to tweet them because I'm like it's dev camp like hockey. This is like chaotic, yes. ridiculous hockey. It's like kids swarming in soccer, like <laughs> swarming around the, the, in a terrible ice. Like it, it wasn't good hockey, right? Yes. It was very chaotic. None of these guys know each other. Half the guys don't know what they're doing, not because they're bad hockey players, but it's it's like a, it's a very chaotic environment, right? And it wasn't even 3 on 3 to begin with. Yeah. Forget about that. But I mean, yeah, like I I, I decided not to say anything because I'm like it's I really learned nothing. Yes. I noticed some things that are interesting, but I never, I didn't learn anything. I didn't, I didn't come out of it and be like, oh, I know more about this guy, that guy, and, and the other guy. No. It was yeah. like, oh, you've noticed a few things that get interesting, whatever, but you want to dismiss it as soon as you can and move, move on and, and try to see some real hockey at some point and yes. see how they stack up then. It's, uh, it's not an environment, especially the scrimmage. I, you, you probably learn more from the drills and, and watching some of the practices, if possible, than the actual scrimmage, which was just, um, it was mayhem. Yeah. So, uh, there's, uh, no declarative statement to be made on, on Tom Willander from, from my front, um, or anything of that sort. You know, there was some interesting things from a few players, but again, it's more, it's not nothing we didn't know already. Yeah. Right. I, like I some things on like Mackey, the shot, you get to see it live. Great. Like, yeah, it looks like an NHL level shot at times. Yeah. I mean, okay. So if you, we can run through what we noticed, right? Yeah. Uh, the players who stood out the most on the ice for me, there was two players in particular, like Mackey, who you mentioned. Yeah. And then Elias Pedersen on, on defense. I yes. think those, those are the guys that looked like they were a cut above everyone else. Mm-hmm. I'd say there's some other guys that were notable, worked hard or whatever. And, and sure, we can go through that. I mean, everyone showed something yes. interesting and everyone showed mm, stuff that's whatever, right? I thought Assassin was, was all over the place and yeah. maybe a little over-aggressive a couple times, but whatever. But I noticed LaKira Mackey, there was a lot of quality. In, like He looks like a player. Yes. He looks like a smart hockey player, and there's a lot of skill and pace in his game as well, which was, you know, which I don't want to say was impressive because again, it's chaotic hockey, but you could tell that he was playing at a level higher than the other forwards. He, yeah, I mean, the talent level was just very obvious to see. Yes, um, some of the skill things that he was doing, very the reads obvious. He was making the reads the he space was making, he was occupying. Even some of his defensive zone reads, I thought were were pretty smart. So there, like there was, and this is the scale again, the scale of very chaotic hockey. Yes, so <laughs> it's uh, you know it, it's more just like um, you know looking for simple traits and 
pointing those things out with with Elias Pettersson. I think there's just um, in a in a chaotic environment, as chaotic as it was, it seemed like when the puck was on his stick, things sort of relaxed yeah. a little bit, and that's kind of the yeah. that's kind of the the sense I got watching uh, watching Elias Pettersson or DPD, whatever we're going to have to call him in the future. Well, I mean, he was always a bit of a mature player to begin with. Yeah. And uh, I know it's been mentioned before, but, he, you know, he was he was, he was was showing good hands too. He was mm-hmm. good, showing good puck movement and all that. Like, he, he looked like a guy who's grown quite a bit physically from mm-hmm. last year to this year and that knows this camp from last year to this year and just showed up confident and just kind of did his thing. That's what I noticed from Elias Pettersson, which if you want to call that impressive, sure. I again, it's a scale of a development camp, you know, turnout. Yeah. Let's see what he does this year in Urbro, which is in the SHL, and how he performs. Like that's going to be the litmus test for me. Same with Akiramaki. Yeah. Those two guys are on the same team in Sweden next year, and how do they play there? That to me is a thing. Can can Elias Pettersson take a step offensively this year and, and play yeah. like a top four offensive defenseman too, and be like, okay, damn, there might be something there. And can Akiramaki carry over what he did at the end of the season in the playoffs and have a good offensive outburst? And if he does that, I think that's that that would make me excited. Not what I watched yesterday. Uh, also, I think it's pretty cool that Johan Hedberg is um, you know, was at Canucks development camp as uh, a coach invite and is going to coach Lekaramaki and Elias Pettersson DPD at yeah. uh, Urbro this year. So um, you kind of see some of the the tentacles of of how the Canucks are trying to enhance their development in the organization absolutely and i mean and yesterday we were grading alvin and 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 people responded on the tweet that we yeah. sent out and, and they mentioned they made some good points too about hey organizational structure but i think that falls out under like more the president and yeah. let, let's grade out um organizational more rutherford sort and everything of... it's like organizational yeah. standing i think that's a state of the canucks discussion we'll have next year when we head into um, before training camp, that's gonna yeah. be a good discussion. When we see what's happened over the course of the off season, we see what the developmental plan is and everything coming together. Then we can do a real state of the Canucks and really assess what's happened. But in, to that regard, there is a far more comprehensive approach mm-hmm. to their development. Yeah, and whether it pays off or not remains to be seen. But it makes sense. The logic is there, and it looks like a good plan. And that's really all you can ask for. And then hopefully you provide the right tools and right environment. And that's where where your bet on the talent has to come through. Uh, also, one final thought uh, on one of the training camp invites. I know Christian Fitzgerald got uh, a lot of love, but uh, for me, it was Matthew Barbolini that uh, really stood out. And he's going to make an NHL team very happy one day. Uh, I don't know about that, but yes, I mean he was skating hard. He got in on the forecheck really well. You know, uh, I don't know if he's going to be the next. Uh, I was he was, I was kidding because know. you know I said I wouldn't make any <laughs> declarative statements, but then it's like, oh, Barbolini. I mean, he's going to be great. You know, yeah, I mean, he was aggressive on the forechecks. Lodoyev yeah. was also very aggressive and everything like that. But I mean, those types of players, great. You're aggressive in this environment. Like, how do you? How, can you play against men aggressively yeah. and have that impact or whatever it is? So it's like, sure, it's nice. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And you <laughs> that's know, it. That, that's pretty much all it is when it comes to these things. Don't get too excited. Uh, okay, before we wrap up this discussion yes. here, because we mentioned the things that are going to bring us together, and I will break in a second here. Sorry, Josh. Elias Patterson signing. Is that something that could bring us together for an emergency show? I would say it's more likely we're back doing regular shows when that happens. So training camp? Yeah, or September. Mm-hmm. Early, maybe late August, early September. That would be my... I'd say the earliest we see Patterson signing is August 24th. How about that? Okay. Um, 
That's my wedding anniversary. Cool. Is it? Uh, all right. Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Harmon Dial is coming up next on Canuck Central. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central in the uh, Kintec studio. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Uh, you can find me on threads at Dan Richo. No underscore. No so underscore. just at Dan Richo. At Dan Richo, at Satyar Shaw, at Harmon Dial, who now joins us as well. So it's like we're all threading it. We're all threading <laughs> the needle here. Uh, Harm, you're on threads already? You're, you're, you're good? You got set up? Yeah, you know, the the absolute <laughs> thing I needed in my life is another social media app to be addicted to. So... Yeah. Um, yes, both sort of fortunately because it's already a better experience than Twitter, um, in terms of no rate limit, rate limit exceeds and and whatnot, but also (laughs) unfortunately in the sense that I've got another app that's going to distract me all day. So that's excellent. Uh, it uh, doesn't hurt. Uh, Why not? Just like add it to the rotation of just like doom scrolling. Yes. Uh, three hours has passed. How how did that even happen? But it's great. Like if you tweet, if you tweet, just take the same thing and put it on Threads. Yes, and then we'll get Threads going. That's exactly. It, that's how it's going to work. Uh, all right. So Canucks are into the off season. Sat and I were just talking. Like maybe they'd still like to do a few things, especially if they can open up a little bit more cap space. Um, yeah. After what they've done, you know, adding Bluger, Cole, and and Susie, where can you see the Canucks still adding a little bit uh, around the roster to uh, improve what they've already put together? Yeah, the thing that I've been wondering about is whether it makes sense to add another sort of cheap veteran utility forward, a guy who can maybe be versatile, play multiple positions, multiple forward positions including maybe center, because one thing when Drance and I went through and did our Canucks, uh, Canucks depth chart updated after the offseason moves was, okay, you can fill out an NHL lineup pretty well, but what you can't really count for yet is every year you always end up hammered by injuries, mm-hmm. and it felt like the club's a little bit thin in terms of guys who you can sort of comfortably recall and, and can give you some competent NHL games because you look at the back end, for example, and it's like this, you know, organizationally, they're, they're so deep when it comes to blue line options and guys from Abbotsford that can come up. I think about a guy like Philip Johansson is buried so deep in the depth chart. And, and it's like, he's a guy that the front office thinks could play if they, if they needed him in the NHL at some point next season, mm-hmm. but they don't really have that. I think uh, up front, um, for example, on left wing, um, you pretty quickly after Hoaglander get to a guy like Aiden McDonough, a prospect that you'd probably prefer to spend a decent chunk of time in Abbotsford developing as opposed to sort of potentially being yo-yoed or you look at center and um, and it gets pretty thin after drives. Again, you'd be looking at looking at a guy like Naturatu potentially coming up. And sure, you can play NHL games, but the same sort of thing as McDonough where he's probably better served just sticking in one spot and um, and developing on the right wings, same sort of thing. It, it gets thin pretty quickly unless you think Linus Carlson is ready to make that uh, jump. So uh, I, I look at maybe another veteran forward who can play multiple forward positions mm-hmm. 
uh, just to bolster depth, uh, being an area where they could maybe use some uh, extra insurance. Yeah, and and that's something that you know there's a, there are a couple of guys in free agency if they had if they can clear some space to go after, but maybe that is something you can acquire in, in a quote unquote hockey trade as well. And you know I think the easiest thing we've seen is they make a move to go and sign a free agent. But if we take them at their word that they're exploring certain trades like that, could that open up other possibilities here when, with multiple players on the roster in terms of trading not just say a Garland but perhaps even a Bavillier type and getting somebody back in return that offers you the versatility you're looking for. Yeah. The one thing that I'm sort of curious about is whether they like how comfortable they feel with Bluegrass at three C, right? Because mm-hmm. certainly I think I like the signing from a value perspective, yes. but is there enough offense there at five on five? Obviously you think about Pittsburgh last year and, and they had massive third line struggles with, uh, with Jeff Carter at three C. And I think it sort of spoke volumes that they didn't, ever really consider Bluger uh, on the third line as a way to sort of shake things up. They just sort of kept him on the fourth line. And then obviously he was dumped uh, at the deadline for cap purposes to, to Vegas. So that's an area where I wonder about how comfortable they feel with him at three C and, you know, is there a way to move some money around? And if there's another centerman who you could maybe add into the fold, but when I'm looking at the team on paper right now, they don't necessarily need to make that type of acquisition unless it makes sense for them, right? Like they're not, I, I think it's it's good to be in a spot now where they're not desperate to move money out and you're only looking at opportunities that would make sense for, make sense as like a legitimate, better way to allocate um, um, money in, in sort of like a hockey deal that you sort of mentioned. That maybe those opportunities are still out there. I'd be a little bit surprised mm-hmm. if, they can swing something like that um, you know, at this point in the offseason. But obviously there are still a lot of sort of names on the trade market. And, um, you know, one byproduct of, you know, there are still being names like Debrinket, for example, and, and Carlson and um, on and on that we're still waiting to, you know, see if those guys will get shopped is if there are teams that want to get on in on the bidding of, of those players and they don't have a lot of cap space, well, they want to get in on some of those names they may look to be moving out some contracts themselves and maybe one of those deals makes sense uh for vancouver so um not expecting them to make a bigger splash like that but it's certainly not impossible in a perfect world the canucks would add uh, another top four defenseman uh but you know they've now gone through this is the second off season of you know Patrick Alvine as GM of the Canucks last year we all wondered you know why didn't they make more changes on D but now you look and the only players he's sort of kept that he took over with are Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers how would you rate the job Patrick Alvine has done to rework the Canucks defense I I liked it from a value perspective right um when you look at Ian Cole, for example, he played legit top four minutes for Tampa Bay, a, a great team last year. This isn't a guy that you're looking at and going, hope bet, we hope he can step into the top four. No, he legitimately did it last season, and uh, he was playing tough minutes for them. Um, in in the wake of Ryan McDonough's departure matchups-wise, he performed well in those minutes. He had some of the best defensive numbers on Tampa's blue line. He was first over the boards with Eric Chernak on the penalty kill. He sort of checks those important boxes in terms of reliability, uh, a stay-at-home presence, a ton of experience, being able to play both sides that uh, that I think is awesome on a one-year deal, which 
the single year of term is key for me. If it would have been, let's say, like three years was, was what I was initially worried about him potentially getting, especially when you saw a guy like Luke Shen get three years. But to get him for one year, I, I really liked um, you know that acquisition value-wise. Uh, Carson Soucy, we'll see. That's going to be, I think, uh, an interesting one because because he certainly has the tools to be an effective middle pair defenseman, be a number four that can round your top four out. But he hasn't obviously proven that to this point in his career yet. He's mostly been a third pair defenseman in uh, in his career, a really good one, mind you. Uh, but that's going to be interesting because some some defensemen are able to translate their skill set in higher leverage, tougher minutes, and some struggle with that. So I think. Susie's ability to excel in a top four role will, in my opinion, make or break how comfortable you ultimately end up feeling about Vancouver's uh, blue line. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I think everything that Vancouver did this offseason, I think we all like, like you mentioned, even Bluger, like he's a stopgap. He can play third line center if need be, maybe best as a fourth line center, but provides value in defensive roles and on obviously on the PK as well. Same thing with the defensemen, but none of them scream long-term fit in your top four, nor in your bottom six or even your middle six, if you want to frame it that way. So that means it the... There are opportunities open for anybody internally if they are willing, if they're able to grasp those spots. Like you mentioned, down down the middle, there are fewer options, obviously, but there are some more options on the back end. But I, I think also in terms of how we should approach and view the way this team is going to operate through the rest of this offseason into training camp and also during the season is they have a lot of guys that are expendable and they have some options potentially as the season goes on. So if they keep their powder dry here, Harm, and not give up any value if they make any trades here, there might be an interesting team to watch with expiring contracts to make some deals as the season goes on. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I And what I liked about overall their off-season approach was that they didn't create, as you sort of mentioned, obstacles. Uh, you look at a player like uh, Aturatu, for example. My worry going into this off-season was with all the discussion around the priority of adding a third-line center, I was thinking in my mind, well, Ratu isn't that player yet, but in a year or two, he could become that player. And the last thing you want to do if you're the Canucks is, look, if you already have Pedersen and Miller locked up down the middle, great. And then adding a third center into the mix that also makes uh, a decent chunk of uh, of money, especially in this sort of weaker for agent class. I was worried about like whether that prevents them from maximizing a, a player like Rochi's value because one of the most attractive parts about a young player is that when he finally graduates and makes the NHL, he's probably on a cheaper contract. And when you look at Vancouver's cap situation, um, what they desperately need is to be able to fill important roster spots at um, on bargain contracts. And, and I think that it, they did a good job both at the three, uh, both with the sort of three C job and on the blue line of, uh, of, being able to upgrade, but leaving the leaving the long term flexibility open for players to eventually younger ones or or even as opportunities arise in the future for the club to be able to explore more opportunities and possibilities, which I think is important, right? Because yes, it's important for the Canucks to make the playoffs next season, considering how much they uh, how much they put their chips into the middle with the Heronic and, and Miller deals, but for them to keep, for them to get to the level of being a cup contender, we know it's going to be a multi-year process. It's not going to happen overnight. And I don't think anybody was looking for home run moves. I don't think anybody was looking for them to solve all their needs 
now. It was about how can we incrementally upgrade and competently fill our roles while still retaining our long-term cap flexibility and not giving up a lot in terms of trade assets as well. And I think that's where this front office did uh, a really admirable job. Now, the the biggest question, I think, of the offseason is uh, what does a new Elias Pettersson contract look like? Uh, He is a restricted free agent at the end of the upcoming season, and then we'll have another year of control for the Canucks before becoming an unrestricted free agent. Is there a number on the average annual value that becomes uncomfortable in a discussion with Elias Patterson or, you know, does anything in the, uh, you know, 90 to $92 million or total money sound pretty much fair and, and about right for a player of Patterson's caliber? Yeah. I mean, look, if, if it, if it comes to the long-term deal, absolutely. Right. The, the only scenario where you'd maybe be nervous is a case of like Matthews on his last deal got the exact sort of cap that he wanted. I think it was around 11, six, um, and he signed a five-year deal that walked him straight to free agency. It's like, in that case, Toronto basically gave him the money that he wanted and didn't get the ideal type of term. Um, and, and so really, as long as you're getting seven or eight deals, or seven or eight years of term with Pedersen, I'm not too concerned with the cap uh, cap hit that he clocks in at because at that point, you've got him locked up long-term. That's a franchise player. And, uh, and ultimately, you're expecting over time the cap to, to sort of rise. And, and for me, it's going to be interesting to see how with Matthews and even with, with Ajo, they're in slightly different situations because they're a year away from UFA, whereas Patterson is a year away from his final RFA, RFA deal. So there's a bit of a difference in leverage. But um, both those players are also sort of coming up. And, and I'm curious to see what, you know, those potential Matthews and, and Ajo contracts sort of um, look like in, in terms of both uh, cap hit and, uh, and terms. So I think that's my overall take is as long as you're getting seven or eight, seven or eight uh, years of, uh, of term on Pedersen's next deal, I'm not too concerned about the cap hit. Well, I'm with you uh, on that as well. And I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, there's always trepidation. And honestly, until a player signs a long-term extension, you can never feel good and safe that the player is going to be there long-term. Until it's signed, you never know what can happen, right? Especially when a new season begins and all that. But in terms of, let's say, let's just assume for a moment that a player like Patterson wants to wait and kind of give it some time to see um, what what may be laying in front of him in a year or two. But he would listen to a really good offer. Is $11.5 million, $92 million, which would make him the fifth highest paid player in the league in terms of contractual value per year, tied with Eric Carlson. Is that enough to make a player forego the potential rise in the cap in a couple of years and taking a few, a fewer years, maybe going on a shorter term contract if you offer him that much money? You hope so. It's, it's hard to turn down that amount of yeah. uh, guaranteed money, especially... You never know what can happen with injuries or, or a down year. Um, it really comes down to how confident are you betting on yourself as a player? How repeatable do you think it is to have, you know, another 102-point season or whatever whatever it is? Because there's no doubt that if he is able to repeat that type of performance where he was a top-five sentiment in the NHL and once you're closer to, you'll have greater clarity on how much the cap is going to spike exactly as well that you get to a stronger point, but that's a big, you know, I don't want to say it's a big assumption, but it is an assumption 
to think that you can replicate that type of, um, you know, being uh, that type of year of being one of the absolute best players at your um, at your position. So I, I think it, it comes down to how comfortable you are betting on yourself if you're uh, Pedersen, but also you also have to weigh it against the. It's different for every player because you have to weigh it against um, the value or importance you place on winning in mm-hmm. in terms of uh, whether you see that happening in Vancouver long term or not because. One one thing that I've thought about is you think about, for example, David Pasternak, who was represented by um, J.P. Barry, same agent as Elias Pettersson. And the Bruins and Pasternak had contract talks or preliminary discussions last offseason as well. But at that time, there was so much uncertainty around Boston's future. And Pasternak sort of wanted to take a wait-and-see approach. And then obviously, as um, you know, Bergeron came back, Krejci came back, and Boston had a had a, had an unreal regular season. Then mid-season, he signed an extension once he felt more secure about the future. Uh, if you're Pedersen and you prioritize winning a lot and you've still got another year left in your deal, you kind of have to you have to wait, right? Because there's the guaranteed money on, on the one hand, which is hard to turn down. But on the other, if you're really committed in terms of winning in your prime, if that's your top priority, winning a Stanley Cup, then you might want to see how the team looks this coming season, how much confidence you have in this front office's ability to um, to build in the right direction, and, and you might want to take some time with that decision. So uh, it really comes down to how you lay those priorities, and um, and we'll see for Pedersen where exactly those priorities lie. Now, of course, the the question of the Canucks, you know, doing what they hope to do, and that is get back to the playoffs next year. Playoffs? Uh, yeah, it, uh, it it depends on the Pacific Division, right? Could you guys imagine, actually, like, just for a moment, could you imagine, Harm, a that this team... playoff game at Rogers Arena? I yeah. still haven't seen one. I've been here for six years. Could you imagine, actually, a playoff <laughs> game, an actual playoff race, and not being out of it to begin the season next yeah, year? Not be out of the playoffs in November? That would be nice. Sounds like a dream. <laughs> um, did anybody in the Pacific division you know create um I, I guess a block for the canucks to to move up the standings in the in the division i mean la got better sure uh with pierre-luc dubois uh, you could make that argument i guess um but you know vegas hasn't really done much seattle hasn't done much as of yet um what do you see the, how do you see the division stacking up right now and how difficult it might be for the canucks to achieve that goal yeah well the, the well the main thing is for, for starters those three teams aren't going um you know uh going anywhere i think they're not going backwards yeah yeah so that's that's important one thing i'm keeping my eye on is when you look at the conversation for potential wildcard teams in the western conference who could be still taking a step back because it's interesting that for instance with um you know winnipeg is is a great example with you know wheeler wanting out with um with with the rumors of Hellebuck and, and Shifley and then obviously Dubois getting shipped out of, of all those guys sort of leaving. I think a lot of people were wondering whether they were just going to be forced into blowing things up and, and whether there, there were a team that could take a you know, significant step back. But now all of a sudden first for starters, they got a really good return in, in the Dubois trade, especially landing some pieces in Velarde and, and I follow that uh, that can help them now replace uh, Dubois' impact. And then on top of that, it's certainly based off Kevin Chevaldeoff's rhetoric. Doesn't, um, it, it, 
doesn't sound like he shut he shutted the door on entering the season with Hellebuck and, and Shifley. And if those you know two guys are still in the fray, then then Winnipeg's still a team that can make the playoffs. And um, whereas originally I was sort of looking at them and going, that's a team that could take a serious step back. So I'm curious to see if Hellebuck and or Shifley still get moved because. If that happens and, you know, the returns are, let's say, a little bit underwhelming or don't bring in the win-now pieces that maybe the Jets would be hoping for, that it can create more opportunity for a team like the Canucks. And then the second team that I'm sort of really keep, keep, keeping an eye on is Calgary because we'll see what happens with Hannafin. Sounds like he's already on the tra- trading block. But after that, we're waiting to see what happens with Elias Lindholm, right? The number one center and um Given what happened with Johnny Gaudreau walking for nothing last summer, I can't imagine that they'll go through the same thing with, mm-hmm. with Lindholm and um, even to a lesser extent with um, Mikhail Backlund. And so those are two players that I look at um, with Lindholm and, and Backlund where if those guys don't want to resign and, and if those guys get shipped out, I mean, that's your, you know, that's your top line center and an elite 3C out the door, not to mention Hannafin probably getting dealt as a top four defenseman as well all of a sudden you know a team like Calgary that ordinarily you you may have looked at as okay that's a team that could bounce back with a new head coach then all of a sudden if if that comes to fruition in, in terms of those guys exiting then you again feel more confident about Vancouver's position um, in trying to jockey for a wild card spot. Harm, uh, really appreciate all your contributions to the show this year. I'm sure we'll talk over the summer, but uh, thanks again. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Uh, there is uh, Harmon Dial, uh, also on threads. Yes, uh, on threads. <laughs> Just checking out threads. And uh, Josh, you on threads? Is Josh on threads? Is Costa on threads? Are we all on threads? Not yet. Oh, Costa's on not threads. on threads. You yeah. are. Josh is yeah. on threads. I put okay. my uh, field goal thing on there. You did. I'm going to check that out. Over under 35 yards. I, I Have you myself, even started practicing yet? No, no, no. The whole thing is to do it without practice. Oh. And over under 25 and a half attempts to hit it. Oh, man. No. You're going to like. Good. You're going to throw out your hip by the time you get to the 25th attempt. Yeah, well, I'll hit it on the first five. Yeah, so it's fine. <laughs> Might do it. Maybe not. So, I mean, can, can you guys post everything you post to Twitter on the station feed to Threads too, Or is that more complicated still? Well, not to get into the nitty gritty of it, but I think we want to make it uh more fun on threads oh. so i don't know oh. if we're doing like show lineups and stuff like that on there okay i also don't know about all the videos we post and you got a link to the podcast it's it's a whole thing it's I the don't happy know it's hour version of uh, sportsnet 650 twitter well, so right now it's just fun on there if you want to go follow us on uh threads it's just fun stuff just okay. having a good time should i say something funny then okay think of funny things to say i, I posted my uh puck doku today on threads puck doku i never even play the regular Whatever it was. We should play Puck Doku today. Puck, you guys want to play Puck Doku? Yeah. Like after the mailbag? After the mailbag, we'll play Puck Doku. All right. And you, the listeners, can play along. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Why not? Uh, it's the summer. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Mailbag is next on Canuck Central.